We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 200. The first time I'm saying those words, 200, it's kind of hit me as we were getting on to record this, Scott. 200 is a lot of episodes. Yeah, it's a lot of episodes. I mean, it's a, it's a big milestone. One that should be celebrated and, and one that should, uh, should, should bring on good news. And that's exactly what happened. The Yankees finally cooperated with us and gave us a manager just in time for the show. So cheers to the Yankees. Thank you very much. Appreciate the uh, waiting for, for number 200. You said good news. I, I think the jury's still out. We don't know. It's news. It's just news at this point. No, it it's good, good news, news for the offseason. It is good news because now we have a manager. Yes. Any news is any news is good news at this point, just yeah. so we didn't have to keep speculating about the six candidates and what the Yankees were going to do with manager. As you said, there's a lot to talk about today. Aaron Boone is the new Yankees manager, unless you've been living under a rock. Of course, you know that we're going to get into all of that. Uh, 
Also, Shohei Otani, just before we started to record this episode, apparently has ruled out the Yankees. He won't even meet with them. So we're going to get into all that, too. But a few updates about the 200 milestone and and sort of what we're going to do with this podcast going forward. First of all, we're recording video for not the first time, but one of the first times Uh, we're doing video. And this will be out on our social channels on Monday. So if you're normally just a listener through iTunes or wherever it is you get your apps, uh, your your podcast through your apps, you can also now watch us. Um, And (laughs) whoever wants to watch our faces, people have been asking for it. We've been like, I don't know if you want to see us, but. You know, people, at, people have been asking for it. I think it's different when you can associate the face to, to the voice. Right. Well, sometimes, I don't know if you've read the comments that people think we sound too much alike. Yeah, this will help. This should help yeah. that, at least. Although, as Unless I'm you're growing a you, beard. I don't know why yeah. you're trying to grow a beard now. I was just saying that. I, as I'm looking at your face right now, I'm realizing we both have a beard as well. So yeah, but they might have, get confused at what we look like as well. You do have glasses. I don't. There we go. That's going to be the one that, that distinguished. Hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute. Andrew, I just realized something. And for everybody listening, we did not record the video. We have been stuck doing the same thing for 200 episodes that we didn't click record video. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about because I don't, re- I, don't, I don't remember ever saying anything about a video at the beginning of this podcast for three minutes because it's our big 200th episode. Now we're going to be doing video as well. Yeah, yeah. No, no. It's just the uh, – no, we didn't record it. We stopped. Right. Technology. Yeah, technology happened. Technology happened and we didn't record it. So the big news is starting in 201, because 200, you know, you got to start the next chapter with number one, right? So 201 is when video will roll out. See, uh, I think this is going to be, this is good. This is fitting for this kind of podcast. That's why people like our show is because we make screw ups like this. Right. Yep. It's endearing, right? It's, we do, we're we're like, we're just um, everyday people. We're just screwing things up every day. (laughs) I screw things up every day. Now it's just broadcasted to uh, thousands and thousands of people. All right. So let's resume. That's it. So we're doing video and we have some plans as we move forward past episode 200 to do live video and specifically bring on fans as we're recording this sort of sports radio, talk radio style. Frances is going off the air. We need to replace that, right? We need to replace that, that um, show, that talk, that, that talk show vibe that Francesa has. We need to get those callers on. We got the awesome voicemail callers. We need to bring them on live to get their, their reactions. Yeah, I'm actually really excited for this. We found some, uh, some good stuff that'll work really well for the show itself. And we'll probably do it through Facebook right now. Um, I know you can do it on Instagram and bring on one person at a time, but you can't bring on three people. But Facebook has the capability of bringing on multiple people and having like a waiting room for people to come on. So that's going to be a lot of fun, bringing some of the um, some of the other fans on to talk to us live on the show. And I think it'll add a, just a, another new element to to what we're doing. Not to mention, we're going to be redoing a lot of the different things as far as the audio uh, I'm working with, um, another, another guy who actually runs a jets podcast, who was a listener of the show. And, uh, he and I are working on some, uh, some new stuff for the intro and outro of the show. Uh, I know a lot of people love the song by the way. And, and w- one thing we haven't talked about like enough probably is the credit for the, the music of that song. We did in the beginning. We did in the beginning. 200 episodes ago. Right, a long time ago. And we put it on the website a couple of times too. But anyway, the, the song is called One Way Ticket and it's by Anitek. A-N-I-T-E-K. Uh, is a DJ from Jersey. Uh, he listens to his show. He's a big Yankees fan. So I felt it was, uh, it was really good. And he gave us pretty much his catalog to, to you know, go, uh, go off of and use for some of the songs. So 
Um, most likely I'm going to be, uh, looking at some more of his music. Uh, we may keep the same song. I don't know. We're, we're toying with a couple different ideas, but it's going to be fresh. It's going to be good. And uh, I'm excited for that. You know, uh, during the edits, I like to put in some good music, especially into like the transitions and stuff like that. So hope you guys will be getting more of that as well. Yeah. That's a question we've got periodically from in, through the mailbag is what's that song? I can't find it. I've just searched the, the couple of words that are in the intro. No one can find it. So I usually tweet it out what the song is, but like you just said, One Way Ticket by Anitech. Also coming up, um, Dom put together a best of voicemail segment, which will be at the very end of this episode. It's going to be a long episode today, and that's because not only is there a lot of news to talk about, but we also talked to Sweeney Murdy twice, because (laughs) when we talked to him the first time, it was Thursday night. Boone had not been announced. The Otani news had not been announced. So we jumped back on with him. Actually, Scott jumped back on, on with him Sunday afternoon to get some more information about Boone specifically. And because um, he when, when he first talked about all of the candidates, he, he it was still great content, but it was more about the direction of, of what Cashman is doing with these hires and what each one brings to the table. So it wasn't about Boone specifically, but we don't want to cut that content entirely because I still think it, um, you know, it's Sweeney has some great insights yeah. as to the process. And that's it. I think the process was the one of the things we keyed on with him too, and kind of also comparing it to the the previous hires with uh, with Tori and then Girardi as well. So and kind of how they, um, you know, how they were different in this case. Uh, not to mention he has a bunch of stories that that he that he tells along it. So really good stuff by Sweeney. We definitely appreciate uh, talking to him. It was uh, it was a lot of fun, um, especially coming back on to to talk more Boone stuff. So yeah, man, look, ton of stuff. There's a ton of stuff. This is. Awesome. So after Scott and I wrap up here, you'll get Sweeney segment one, Sweeney segment two, and then the best of voicemails. It's going to be like an hour and a half show. We hope you guys stay tuned for the whole thing. Yeah, buckle Uh, up. It's a good one. All right. Aaron Boone is the next manager of the Yankees. And I think back to probably episode 196, 197, when we first heard Boone was going to be interviewing. And I think I laughed out loud and said, this has got to be a joke because that was my initial gut reaction when I heard Boone was interviewing for the job. This dude was made from 2003. That one home run that sent the Yankees to the World Series. He's on ESPN. He's never really had a strong opinion on him one way or another as an analyst. Don't dislike him. Didn't like him. He was a solid analyst. And then he's interviewing for the Yankees job. It just came out of nowhere. So when when we when we first heard that he was doing that that he was going to interview, I was definitely taken aback. But after we heard the way that the interview went, and we talked about this after that, I was like, man, this sounds like they really like him a lot. And it's so far out of the the blue for him to actually even just interview. In the back of my mind, and my gut was telling me for a while, I'm like, this is probably going to be the guy. I think when I was ranking my managers, I put out a, the list of, of how I rank them. You, know, you and everybody else on Twitter. Yeah, well, Including um, myself. I felt like I had to. <laughs> the, uh, I had Hensley Mullins, number one. And, and, I think a lot of, I. and I think a lot of that came back to he was the only guy with some experience. Yep. But, but I thought it was very good experience, too. I mean, it's like championship-level experience. He's been in the, in the <clears> major leagues for a while on the bench. Good stuff. Has some Yankee ties. The language thing is, I think, very impressive. That was big for me. The fact that he could speak Spanish and English, obviously, as well as some Japanese was, was huge for me. Yeah. I mean, Aaron Boone can just learn all these languages, right? He can impersonate anybody. So can Google he just Translate learn? is getting better. Yeah, I think Get, he can just learn the language. It wouldn't, just, wouldn't shock me if he learned a language in the midseason. Sounds he's like got he enough can, to worry about. I don't yeah. know if he's going to be learning a language. He might be a prodigy. I don't know. Um, 
but yeah, that's that's who I thought it was. But uh, there was just something something about the Boone, the the fact that he was even into the the process that you knew Cashman liked him, and and he was he was there for a reason. And I guess we know the reason. Well, there was also reports towards the end of the week that um, an, a, cont- a leading contender had emerged, and that was right after Beltron interviewed. Yeah. So I thought maybe Beltron was that guy who also checks a lot of the same boxes as Boone. Players guy, going to be able to relate to the players. Obviously, he was just playing with a lot of these guys. And then you'll hear coming up, Sweeney talk about the answer he gave to Sabermetrics. Um, maybe that also got in the back of my head, hearing Sweeney talk about what Beltron's thoughts were on the advanced metrics stuff. I don't know. I, I know Boone is also a guy who says he will embrace that. I think if you go into an interview with Brian Cashman and say you're not going to embrace advanced metrics, you're probably going to be booted out of the building. Right. So you have to say that. But uh, I thought it was good that it was Beltron, not Boone, who emerged as the candidate. But then we got news that it was Mullins and Boone as the final two right. candidates. And I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe it's it's Bam Bam because of everything we just said. And then ten minutes later, it's Boone. It wasn't it even like so we fast. Even- Yo, there's some serious leaks in the Yankees organization. Let's just get that. There, there are people just chirp, chirping up. And actually, yeah. there was a lot of like back end reporting done. I, I, I give credit to the national journalists, the guys who um, I forget who actually had the the final scoop it was the Daily News or somebody. The um, but they were like you know they were in touch with with uh, with Mullins's people and so they knew that he was out of the running and they they basically were just doing addition by subtraction and realized right. who was standing at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it was it was certainly interesting the the way the whole thing went down. It went down pretty pretty damn quick. Um, I, well, you know, it was it was also a roller coaster because if you f- were following Ken Rosenthal, who's one of the guys you can trust most as far as reporters, he said the Yankees are not done interviewing candidates, and he doesn't think the team is in a rush at all. And then a day later, it was announced that Boone was the manager. So I don't know. Ken Rosenthal got some faulty information. It's either that or things started leaking out, and they realized that. You know the people that they had told that were not in the running anymore weren't going to just you know take that and and stay silent. Plus, I think what started the whole shitstorm was Rob Thompson. Honestly, the whole the whole fact that the um there were reporters from Philly saying that he is going to be announced as the bench coach. And as soon as that happened, we're like, okay, so there have been decisions made. People have said that they're not getting the job. He knows yeah. he's not getting the job. Who else doesn't know? Who else knows that they're not getting the job? And I think that's when the, the, the thing started rolling on, um, on the boon, but the Yankees still haven't announced it. I guess they're waiting for all the big football games to be announced on Monday. Saturday and Sunday. And then I, I'm a, I would, I would guess that Monday would be the day. I don't know. Maybe there's still things that they're <laughs> working out, but uh, it's got to happen soon. Very soon. Yeah. There'll be a press conference. I'm assuming it's going to be Monday. Like why? Why wait? There's no reason to wait. Yeah, but usually they call it and they announce when there is the press conference, like pretty well in advance. Yeah. So well, let's let's get into our thoughts on Aaron Boone. So great communicator. That's that's the number one thing. That's the buzzword, right? Communication. Yeah. Communicator. He's got the, that. He's got that. He can do um, fantastic impersonations. He, the Joe, right. so the Joe wants, Torre if, trot. The Joe Torre the, walk. The if the team is in need of a little levity, if they're maybe in a tough West Coast road trip and they've just dropped a few games and he can come in with a nice A-Rod impression and break the tension. Is that what you're saying? Potentially. I also think he will participate in the fake interviews in the dugout. Whereas Joe Girardi would <laughs> so not. So what are your thoughts? Girardi, what would, you, Joe Girardi what would, your thoughts would not be on the manager jumping in on the toe night show when there's a game going on on the field? How do you think that would go over? If it's a celebration, I think it's fine. I think it's great. I think that if he's in some way doing it or if he's doing it before and after the game, no problems. 
it's going to be the the more I'm I'm realizing what type of person Boone is, and there's been a lot of stuff written about him. Everyone says he's the nicest guy. Uh, Nobody Kirchin says he's wrote, not. <laughs> Kirchin wrote something that you you tweeted out and sent to me, talking about how I mean, not only does he did he grow up around baseball, but just everyone from ESPN to players he's played with in the past, coaches, managers, all that kind of stuff, talk about what a hard worker he is, how perceptive he is, and I think that's what he said why he can do those sort of impressions because yeah. he's always sort of digesting what is going on around him. Yeah. And all of those factors will make him hopefully a good manager. That's what the Yankees are banking on because you can't go by record because there is no record on the guy. So all you can do is take his characteristics and say that it will hopefully make a good manager. Right. And and hopefully that, you know, they're going to put a, a good uh, coaching staff around him. I, I talked with Sweeney about That's that important. today as well, about how, you know, what's that coaching staff going to look like? Is it going to be appointed? Is he going to have more of a say in this? That'll be interesting to see, you know, if he's if he's got a lot of input on who the coaches are or if Cashman's basically going to dictate. Rothschild is back. We know that the, the pitching coach is going to stay there, so that's a, a, a good stabilizer, I guess. Um, yeah. But looking around, there's there's not very many other guys that I think that might be back. There's going to be some some new faces in there. I'm interested to see who those who those guys are. Uh, you know, maybe there's some connections with Boone that he's like really good friends with. Somebody. I saw somebody say something about Kurt Schilling at one point. I was like, uh-uh, that, that ain't going to work. I, <laughs> that ain't gonna all work. of the good vibes that Aaron Boone gets from all the good, the positive vibes going around Yankee land that Boone has brought would go out the window if Kurt Schilling was announced. If he is as perceptive as, as we think he is and as everybody says he is, no way in hell he brings in a guy like that. I think it's important that whoever is the bench coach needs to have some actual either bench coaching or managing or coaching experience. They need to have somebody next to him with some solid experience, similar to how Don Zimmer could sort of be that um, that guy in Joe Torre's ear. I know Torre had a lot of managerial experience, but Zimmer was that guy that knew everything and, and everyone and everything about baseball and could sort of be that influence on Torre to uh, guide him through the roller coaster that is the Bronx. I think Boone's going to need somebody like that. I, I totally agree. And I have a feeling that was probably part of the discussions and part of the caveat of you coming on that we're going to, you know, maybe we're not going to choose exactly who these guys are, but we need to have some, some, uh, some good managerial experience or some MLB experience from that side of the ball in the dugout with you. Because there are going to be things that he hasn't seen yeah, not, 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 not that he hasn't seen, but that he hasn't made decisions on because he's right, seen everything. Thing. It's the responsibility. It's not the fact that like he knows what's involved in travel. He knows what's involved in preparation. He knows all that kind of stuff. And anybody who's uh, anybody can make a pitch can know when a pitcher needs to come out. That's what Sweeney said to us. Right. Like guys in the bleachers know when a pitcher needs to come out. Well, so, And now a lot of the time, if, if we're talking about the sabermetrics and if that is going to be a major, major part of what he's done, the numbers already tell you when that happens. But it's the responsibility that is placed on Boone's shoulders now as Yankees manager. That is a high-pressure situation he's put in. It's it's 162 plus spring training plus all the off days that you need to be answering for, for being the Yankees manager. That's not easy. I don't care how, how much of a relaxed guy, how much of a nice guy you are. It's not an easy gig. Look at the before and after pictures from Girardi. <laughs> look, I, I, uh, If we could look into the future to 2027 and – Hell, hopefully Boone hopefully is the manager 10 for 10 years because that means he's successful. Dude's going to age a ton. That's just how it, that's what happens. The 
I have a lot of confidence in that side of it because of his media experience as well. Like I, he's seen the other side as the of the media being on that side as well. I know he's in a booth on Sunday night too, so it's a little bit different than he's doing being fluff. a being a, boor, he's a beat fluff, reporter. He's the fluffiest guy. But at the same time, he you know he interacts with those guys. He knows those guys, um, and just him being like that type of person who is open. I feel like the media themselves are going to be you know, open with it. I think there's going to be a very good relationship there. And there's going to be a lot of respect there because of the way that he is going to take his time. I guarantee one of his things, the media is going to like him one, because he's going to talk a lot. He's going to give them a lot of stuff to write about. And and two, he's going to be, I, I have a feeling he's going to have, be very open to, with the media and talk to them in that sense where, you know, if they're asking hard questions, he's going to be there and, and answer. He's not going to be a, a, a Bill Belichick where he's, you know, giving absolutely minimum, uh, information. He's going to embellish and going to talk a little bit more about what's going on. So I have a feeling he's going to be a media darling. You think he's going to be like the, <laughs> that though after half a season and the grind of a, of a baseball season? You think he's still going to be that yeah. bubbly kind of guy? Yeah. I, I don't, don't think, think he needs to be bubbly. I think he can be open, but there's going to be times where he's going to have to be stern and he's going to have to show some emotion if, if there's frustration happening. Like, But I think he can do it and I think he's got the personality where he knows that he can and he'll build these relationships with the media that he could do it and, and it really won't be an issue. What um, what do you think, though? Do you think it's a reach? Do you think this is a reach by Cashman? Yeah. I think every person on that list was a reach. I don't know what a reach is well, anymore, no. though. If we're looking I, at... if we're Yeah, they were all reaches. Mullins was maybe not a reach, but the Eric Wedge is a reach in... Thompson? Pers- was Thompson a reach? Maybe. I mean, he's never managed a game. I know he's been around forever, but... You well, know, he made he, sense. He made sense on paper. He does. He did make sense on paper. If you're looking at the next step, if you're looking at people who are supposed to get, uh, you know, a, a bump up and they're, and they're supposed to get, you know, moved up in the in the order of of coaching staff, then yeah, that made sense. But I don't know. I don't really know what makes sense and what doesn't make sense in managerial candidates anymore. Because if you look around the league, they're all over the map. Basically, if you have experience, it's almost going against you if you're part of that team, if you're part of that crew, uh, the older side of like the Dusty Bakers of the world. Um, like it's, it's almost a knock. Do you think Cashman has some explaining to do if this doesn't work out from the very start? If there's some, if there's some bumps in the road in April, May, June, there's going to be some explaining to do. Hey, you, you just hired a guy out of the ESPN booth with no major league managerial experience. What the hell? I think this is actually, there's more pressure on Brian Cashman than there is Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone got hired by a team. He just went in there and said, I want this job and this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. This is who I am. You got, they hired him. They're the ones that said, okay, that sounds good. I'll have that with a team that is ready to go right now. That is going to be one of the favorites to get to the world series. If not win the world series, I mean, they're built to, to, to win right now. So, so yeah, there's a lot of pressure on him as a manager, but there's also a ton of pressure on the front office that he does work out and they're going to have to make sure that they give him everything that he needs to succeed as well. What do you think about the process of the six candidates that they picked? They took their sweet ass time they didn't just have a short list like we thought they did. To use an analogy, after they got out of a long relationship with Girardi, they went and slept around a little bit. They didn't go jump into another long-term relationship. They tested the water, see what was out there, and found the right guy. Uh, didn't I have a conspiracy theory about that they already had this? Uh, that this was in place. There was something going so on. You're you're thinking that that it, this was all a ruse, just to make it look like I don't think it was a ruse, but I I, I think it. I have a feeling, one, Boone didn't come out of nowhere as a candidate, right? Cashman had to have had some kind of a conversation somewhere down the line saying that, okay, he's interested. There's no way the interest just came up when Girardi was fired. I 
I got to believe that there was talk about this beforehand, that there was somebody talking, whether it's an agent or somebody behind the scenes, somebody who works with him at ESPN that knows Cashman, some, something, something got to Cashman at some point saying that, that Aaron Boone is, is going to put his hat in the, the ring for managerial candidates coming up. I, I don't know. Uh, I believe that. I, I saw don't know Curry if, I, if tweet, he thought it. I saw Curry tweet something like that about Beltron. Apparently there was a conversation between Cashman and Beltron some point during the season when they were playing Houston and Beltron expressed interest in possibly coaching or managing after he was done playing. And that sort of planted the seed in Cashman's mind. And, and I guess Cashman and Beltron have always had a good relationship. Yeah. And that sort of planted in his mind that wasn't it Beltron's wasn't it Beltron's uh, idea for the jackets? Remember the Monument Park jackets with the, yeah, the sweet. It was Beltran's idea. So he and Cashman talked about this at some point. I forgot about that. That, yeah, was, that was this year, right? That was last. Was it early? It might have been earlier this year. Yeah, that was so weird when we heard. Yeah, because he wasn't on the team. It he was, was so, he was on the Astros. It was so weird that we heard. We like, what the hell's going on? But it was Beltran's idea. It's like, oh, Cashman, yeah. I got an idea for you. In Monument Park. Well, did you hear Beltran's? Beltran's post his interviews with the the media afterwards. He kept saying we. Yeah, well, you know, he kept referring to we as the Yankees. He loves he loves the Yankees. He does love the pinstripes. He's always, always loved them. It's it's been one of his uh, one of his things. He always wanted to play for him. I just I never really bought into the Beltran thing. Honestly, I thought it was just um, I, I really worried about burnout for him if he did come on because he just came off of of playing yeah. for twenty years and then you're going to go directly into this. Not saying he wouldn't do a good job because I think he would, but that's a guy I could see getting freaking tired and sick of it at some point down the road and. His personality, when we're talking about communicators, like, okay, he's going to have a good relationship with some of the guys, but I don't know. He's not that outgoing guy. I feel like Cashman wanted his showman, and that's what he got. Also, there, there's a thing with Beltran where he was a superstar. He's a borderline Hall of Fame player. He's made $200 million. It's like, what does he need that stress for? Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Boone is I mean, uh, Boone has taken on a, a ton of stress. He had a cushy, cushy ESPN job. I know ESPN's going through some shit right now, but uh, he had a cushy job where he goes around from park to park once a week, calls games on a national stage. That's cushy. Yeah, and I, I, he wants more. He wants more of it. I mean, clearly, he, he's been. He was talking about in some of these articles that he's been getting the itch. Uh, he, this he, is a, he claims he's been managing from the booth. This is also one of those jobs that you get an opportunity to manage the Yankees. Yeah. I mean, it's like we're not talking about managing the Tampa Rays or something like that. Maybe you say, okay, well, maybe I don't want to manage. But when it's the Yankees, the Yankees come calling, you pick up the phone. Right. And especially with the situation that the Yankees are in right now. I mean, it's like it's ready to go. I mean, there's 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 things that are made the Ferrari analogy. Someone made a Ferrari analogy. I don't know. It was like uh, you're handing keys. Oh, it was Michael Kay um, said that. Giving Boone the job is like handing your 16-year-old keys to a Ferrari. Yeah, interesting. Your 16-year-old who's been around the game forever, though. I, not a 16-year-old who just passed his driver's test, just got his learner's permit. Here, here's the here's the Ferrari kid. Like here, take it around the block. I, the manager thing, like with today, like the, the the lack of experience. The more I think about it, like the more I think about being a manager in, in baseball, and I think so much of it is being around what happens, being around the game. 24 seven being really mixed into it. The situations, I mean, everybody could, like you said before, everybody can have an opinion on what the situations are like. Um, and I just think, I, I think it's a, a little overblown on, um, on how much that experience, especially if you have a guy in the, in, in the dugout who has that experience. It's key. I've never been so intrigued at who's going to be the bench coach. Yeah. Eric Wedge. I mean, that was something that we talk Come about on. this. We no. do, hey, this is something that we talk about with Sweeney too. He brings it up about, about, you know, the, that the Yankees were, potentially interviewing people 
to get information, to, to maybe, maybe have a, a list for other jobs. If Eric Wedge is out there and he's not managing a job, you don't think he would accept some kind of a coaching staff job on the Yankees? Sure he would. Yeah. I also heard, I forget who I was talking to this about, but maybe Willie Randolph coming out of retirement for a, a short time to ease that transition for Boone. Like, I'll be the bench coach for two years. Two years, I'm out. I mean, look, nothing would make me happier to see Willie Randolph on that coaching staff. I just And don't... that's also a fallback plan. Someone like a, a with a lot of experience who is going to be loved, right? A Willie Randolph-type player or a Willie Randolph-type hire where if it really – shit really hits the fan with Aaron Boone and you need to make a change in the middle of the season, okay. Don't you kind of feel like that that is the, the guy that would be kind of uh, hanging over his shoulder though? Because everybody not if he doesn't want to really manage. He doesn't want that. He wants to manage. He he wants to manage right now. Willie Randolph wants to manage. I think if he wanted to manage, he would be because he hasn't been working since he was on the Mets. Oh no, he's come out and said it in public that he wants to manage. He doesn't know why he's not getting interviews. There's something going on. Ever since the Mets, he's been like blackballed from the league for some ungod known reason. The the man is a, a I think a terrific baseball guy. He's a freaking New Yorker through and through, and. I mean, I think it would be perfect, but at the same time, I feel like at this, you know, you're looking at a guy like Willie Randolph who's sitting behind you, who also wants to manage that, that could be like Boone's looking at his replacement if he screws up and that will be a storyline. That was the exact situation though with Torrey and Zimmer. I guess, but Willie Randolph is, is different than Don Zimmer. Don Zimmer's like, you know, Don Zimmer's like the old baseball guy who's been around forever. He's like the grandfather. Willie Randolph is still not that old can absolutely manage right now was managing team USA for the, uh, the WBC. I mean, like this guy is ready to go and he's a, he's an all time Yankee. All right. Last final thoughts about the manager. And I think this is an example why a rod was never going to get the job because JLo tweeted out on Thursday. It couldn't be clearer. Hashtag a rod for Yankees manager. And then she tweeted out a link to, to some blog about why A-Rod should be the Yankees manager. And for everyone who was seriously asking the question, why would the Yankees not look at A-Rod? That's why. He brings a circus with him. He brings a J-Lo, Instagram, A-Rod Corp, fly fishing circus to the manager job, to the Yankees dugout that they do not want to touch. No. uh, Apparently, the the news was that Cashman did – talk to him about this, but it was purely as a consultation to get his input on what maybe he should look for or input on certain guys or whatever, just his opinion. Rod's a great baseball mind. And that's what he is. He's a consult. The, the guy is, a, what's his role? Special advisor, whatever the hell it is. Special assistant to the advisor of the young players, yeah, but please exactly. do not supply them with anything illegal. That only that's, works that's in the fine print on his business card. Yeah. Th- so that's a guy that is going to be hanging around in, in that form he's going to be a consultant for the yankees basically sure and i don't i don't see him coming like on. That. yeah that's fine stay away from the team like <laughs> the actual dugout i don't want him near the dugout right but i got no problem with them uh, with cashman talking to him about stuff okay so about 20 minutes before we started to record tonight otani it's uh brian hoke reported that otani has informed the yankees he will not sign with them he's not even going to meet with them and a west coast team small market is becoming a leading contender Sounds like the Seattle Mariners, just reading between the lines. Um, are you surprised? Yeah. I'm surprised, surprised, I'm surprised that he's this soft is what expert, I'm surprised. Quotes expert said the Yankees are the leading contender. Like every expert was wrong. You know that his agency, CAA, cannot be happy about this. This has got to be something coming down from him, which leads me to, to the 
to the conclusion that that he doesn't want a big market. He doesn't want to deal with all of that. He wants to go out there, play baseball, be able to fly home when he wants to and have more of a convenient thing, which means he's a pain in the ass. So the fact or that he it means he just wants to concentrate on playing baseball, prove that he can be a pitcher and a hitter. So like we said, he can prep himself for that big free agent contract when he's 26, 27 So get years into old. a situation that's good for you to, to win. But why have be... a circus like New York or, or the Dodgers or the Cubs or anything like that big market team? Why not just focus? The Mariners, I mean, he granted, no matter where he goes, he will bring the Japanese. Every, all the Japanese media. But as far as uh, media centers, like focal point of Major League Baseball, Seattle is one of the quietest places. Robbie Cano can attest to that. Where, who? He disappeared there. I know you're not allowed to talk about the the um, city of Seattle, Washington. You're banned. You're exiled from that. Actually, not exiled because you were never there. But you're not allowed to go there after well, that jam one block. And weed the um, I just look. I, I, first of all, the fact that he's not even going to meet with them is ridiculous. You you don't even know what's going to uh, happen. It's here's why. It's because it's there's stupid. no money involved. It, this is not a This is not. There a, is money involved. There are with marketing dollars involved. But no, no. But what I'm saying is, as far as contract that he's going to receive, as far as his paychecks goes, he knows what his cap is. So he meeting with the Yankees is not going to drive up the price for another team. No, that because they mean can only sh- offer him a certain amount. That's not what I mean. Why would he not want to take the meeting to hear what they have to say? Why would he not oh, want to hear yeah, what the Yankees have to say? Because you know they're going to come with everything. They're going to come with every potential uh, angle they want. They could sign him. Why would you not listen? To me, it's a stupid move on his part. And just leads me to believe that he's so narrow-minded that he wants one thing, one thing only, and he's going to be a pain in the ass for whatever team he's he's on because he's gonna he's gonna dictate what he does. And wow, I couldn't agree more. I think this means that he just wants to focus on baseball, or or he just doesn't want the pressure and he's soft. That's wouldn't be the first soft Japanese player to come over. I mean, maybe it's Kayagawa 2.0 and with a bat. <laughs> Hideki Arabu, fat toad. I'm just saying, there's a, that, that's a flag that he doesn't even meet with. the. He's not even meeting with a couple other teams, too, right? He announced... Uh, no Dodgers Dodgers either. No Dodgers. What, like, what's wrong with you? Why would you not meet with the Dodgers? These are, two, Dodgers, these are two of the best teams in baseball. I thought the Yankees and the Dodgers... If it wasn't the Yankees, I thought it was going to be the Dodgers. Right. I, I would agree because of the West Coast thing. Right. Brian Cashman said that we would feel really good about Otani if we were on the West Coast and we were in a smaller market. So he's specifically you- asking for a small market. Are you a little happy, though, now we don't need to follow this around until he signs until December 22nd? No, it's disappointing. It's disappointing because I wanted to see this. I wanted to see this on, on live and in person. But I now it was we can a good watch situation. It. Now we can watch it from afar and just see the experiment. This is an experiment. Yes, it is. So now, now it, it's not tied to our – We're not. it's not in our rooting interest. It doesn't affect the Yankees at all. I don't care what field. happens with him. So anymore. let's just, you know, you're not even, he's how dead long dead. is the minor league contract? Like, when is he going to be available? Maybe I'll start paying attention that, that I'll look at his, uh, look at three or I think it's a three or four year contract that he can sign. So, so yeah, he's 20, he's 23. So that'll line him up for like 27 years old, uh, big, free agency. big free agency. Look, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Uh, I think he's going to be going into a place now. Now I'm, now I'm a hundred percent sure that he's going to be going where he can hit and he can pitch full-time. He's going to be doing both because that's what he wants to do, and he's going to be able to dictate a lot more in a smaller market. I saw something that uh, Jared Diamond, who we've had on the podcast a couple times, tweet out that he has heard from different sources that Otani would be deterred from signing with a team that already has a big-name Japanese superstar. Soft. 
Again, this is just leading me to believe that this guy is a soft, soft human being. A soft baseball player that doesn't want to go out and compete for eyeballs. He just wants something that he can just lay in there and, um, and just have a nice little happy place. He doesn't have to compete or do anything for it. Don't have a lot of pressure. I don't want pressure. I don't want another guy out there who's Japanese who's going to take away from my fame. This this is like all the makings of a prima donna waiting to have. It's just this guy screams problem. Well, see, the thing is, I'm actually very uh, excited to watch his career just from afar. Actually, I'm. I think I'm. I, I think I'm happy that he's not going to be on the Yankees because I don't think he's going to be a two way player. I don't think he's going to be a superstar two way player. I just don't think it's feasible in today's game, and it's not realistic. If a team if he's a good pitcher, like everyone thinks he, he is, be a pitcher. he's going to be a pitcher. And yeah. a team's not going to risk him going out there and pulling an ACL rounding second base. It's just not realistic. So I don't think he's going to be the Japanese Babe Ruth that he is uh, all you know hyped up, up to, to be. be yeah. So then let's just see. Let's see the. Let's watch the circus. Let's watch the experiment. Yeah, that's fine. It, it'll be. Uh, it still would have been good to have this guy if he is as good as everybody thinks he is. And he's look. Even if he's just a pitcher. <laughs> The guys, the, the, the arsenal that this guy has, the way that he sure. throws, and he's not, he doesn't look like a traditional Japanese pitcher. If you watch his mechanics, he looks, he looks a lot uh, more of a, like the, more of a guy you'd see um, coming from the States somewhere, the way he throws or somewhere from, there's not a lot of movement in his, uh, in his rotate, in his, uh, uh, in his mechanics than majority of these guys that come over. Um, it's interesting to see the way he throws because he does not you know, fall into the traditional uh, methods of, of some of the Japanese pitchers because they all, when they came over, they all have like a funky delivery of some sort. They all have the little pause and hit. They all have a pause, but he doesn't have a lot of that. He looks, he looks uh, very different than, than a lot of these guys. He looks like a, he looks like a legit, legit pitcher, no doubt about it. So that's why I wanted him on the team. I didn't really care about his bat, honestly. I, the, that's the one thing that we're not really, we're not really looking for bats as much. I mean, we're pretty good on the bat side. I was looking for a top flight pitcher and that's what he looks like. You also put in a note in here that he's like a super athlete. He's one of the fastest Japanese players. So that the fact that he can he's actually that good of an athlete and can do both and can get down the line. I think I saw something like 3.9 seconds he was clocked down the first baseline. He throws right handed, but he bats left handed like a lot of Japanese players, like Ichiro, where he was sort of coming out of the box early. Yeah. I was actually surprised to see his his swing and his motion similar to Ichiro, where he's already leading down the first baseline. Because he hit 30 home runs. So I expected him to be more like the Matsui type, back leg hitter, power hitter. But he actually had the follow-through of an Ichiro. Yeah. Well, Ichiro could win home run derbies, remember? I mean, Ichiro is the guy who can go out there and win every home Ichiro run derby if you wanted six to. Six home runs a year in the major leagues? <laughs> um, but no, yeah, it's, he's an interesting guy. He's definitely uh, going to be interesting to watch. I'll say interesting. I'm not going to say fun because now I think he's a little bitch. But it'll be interesting. <laughs> Uh, someone who's not a little bitch is Todd Frazier, and he wants to be back with the Yankees. I'm going to read a quote from him. It was insane how great of an environment it was to play in New York, how spectacular the fans were, and just how much fun I had. I felt like a little kid again. It'd be great to come back to New York. It's really, it's a really well-run organization. I understand it's a business, though. And I actually tweeted a poll from the BP show at Yankees Podcast. This is something I want to do. Uh, I want to try and do it every week so we can either do it for a topic on the show or get an answer to something we bring up. I asked... Do you want the Yankees to re-sign Frazier? The options were yes, no, and depends on Otani. 59% said yes, 19% no, 22% Otani. So 59% is pretty uh, dominant win for yes. They want Todd Frazier back. Yeah, I think that um, – I think a lot of people like his personality. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, on the field, He's hard not to like. Yeah, exactly. On the field, 
he didn't do anything uh, that was, you know, out of, mind-blowing. It wasn't something that he came in and just lit the world on fire. He actually had a lot of deficiencies at the plate. But when you're team looking... Leader, team leader type guy. Yeah, and but, but yeah, exactly. The personality, the way he fit in, um, he's got a hell of a glove. He could play a really good third base. Um, he had a down year. It looks like he's kind of trending in that direction, though, because he hasn't really had a great year uh, in, in some time. So ever since he came to the White Sox, he, or went to the White Sox, he really didn't have a great year. So, you know, look, I don't think they're going to sign him. I think he's going to look for more money and, uh, and, and the, the, the contract duration that the Yankees are not going to be able to do. Um, but he does add flexibility. He kind of fits that spot where he could play a little third. Uh, he's even talked about playing outfield in the past. There are things that he could do uh, that, that help the team and their flexibility. So. so his stats with the Yankees hit 222, which is bad. 365 on base percentage is actually pretty good, especially for a 222 um, batting average, 788 OPS. He hit 11 home runs in 66 games. That's roughly a 30 homer season. Do you think the Yankees would entertain bringing him back on a one-year contract to see if they can either have him be the, the full-time DH and get a 30 home run season out of him? Yeah, no, I think the one-year contract would be ideal for the Yankees. I don't think Todd Frazier would do that one-year deal. That's where I'm. That's where I, I think there's going to be the the, the fall-off point because he's going to be looking for something a little bit more. How old is he? 32. 30, something like I that. just had it up. I just exited yeah, out. Yeah, we Hold just on. talked about this a couple weeks ago, too. I think he's 32. 31, turning 32 in February. Okay, so he'll be 32 coming into the next season. He's looking for another contract. He's probably looking for a three-year yeah. deal, right? Um, you know, maybe if this is something where if the Yankees were to work it in where there's options, uh, a player option, but I don't think they want to put themselves in that situation no. for a player option at this point. So, And um, if it's a one-year deal, I don't think I'm going to raise too much of a stink about it, but if, no. they, if they offer him a two- or three-year contract, I'm going to be pretty angry. It would be... You know, if he's because it doesn't make sense. Well, if he's not getting the if he's not getting a lot of love on the market right now, if he's not getting what he's you know, maybe maybe he sets a bar and says, look, if I will leave, if I get this, you know, whether whether it's three years um, at 15 million a year, I don't know, something along those lines, or he's signing a one year deal as a prove it contract. There's got to be a level where he's like, okay, if it's a three year deal with this amount of money, I'll take it. I don't really care where it is at that point, because that's a good contract going to get me three years. I'm probably going to be very close to not playing it after three years. If he gets a one-year deal in New York in a good situation and a good lineup where he can put up some good numbers, that might actually be better for him if he can do well because then he's looking at a prove-it year and going out and signing another contract with somebody else. Yeah. I just think Chase Headley being on the roster for another season totally blocks him. If Chase Headley wasn't here, I'd say Todd Frazier would almost definitely be back. But, but you just have... You just have roadblocks, and you don't need to create more roadblocks, especially when you have a young team that's coming up through Scranton. Yeah, not to mention the DH spot's going to. There's going to need to be some flexibility in that spot. We get we get into that with Sweeney. He has a he has some insights on that as well. In yeah. the first part of our our talk with him, um, did you see that Aaron Judge received uh, ten New York City mayor write-in votes? I did, and I thought it was interesting that he only received two first place MVP votes. So more people want him to be the mayor than writers thought he was the actual winner of the MVP. Yeah, that's democracy, Susan. That is democracy. New Yorkers get their guy. They want to. <laughs> there should be more than that. We should have. We should have started a petition. We could, <clears throat> we could definitely get him more than ten votes. We got a Twitter question about uh, Giancarlo Stanton. So it's from John at John four two six underscore, and he says, "What are the chances we package Clint Frazier in a trade for Giancarlo Stanton?" And uh, there is also some updates on Stanton. John Morosi tweeted out tonight, uh, Sunday night, 
that the Marlins have agreed to a general framework for Stanton trades to both the Cardinals and the Giants. The deals are both on hold because Stanton has a no-trade clause. So he needs to inform the Marlins if he would accept a trade to either one of those teams. And I know he really wants to do West Coast because he's from California. Um, so I could see him being traded to the Giants. I don't know if he wants to be traded to the Cardinals. But we uh, we also talked to this about – we talked to Sweeney about everything. Um but it just doesn't – it's just not feasible that the Yankees would trade for Stanton, um, especially with this news tonight. Yeah. No, it doesn't – it doesn't make sense for the Yankees. There's just – it's just a lot of things that to me don't, don't fit. Um, but the West Coast thing, the Giants seem to be a really good fit for him. The, the Cardinals are, are probably a better team. The, the Giants had a really bad year last year. Um, so I don't yeah, know how – were, They were in the playoffs the year before. They were. It was what is the uh, the the even number of years or odd whatever the hell it is. Twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. They're going to be a contender. So, I don't know. Yeah, he wants to be on the West Coast. That's the the rumor. You know, yeah. if, if he's he's obviously not wanted in Miami right now. Um, well, whether ten years and ten years and two hundred ninety five million dollars reasons why he's not wanted in Miami anymore. Well, my point is, is that he's going to get the money either way. So, would you not rather play for a team that wants you and? Um, maybe totally. it's closer to your home and, and you're not dealing with that whole circus of, of how we should have traded you because our team sucks or, you know, it just sounds like a, it sounds like he's already out the door. He also has that opt out clause in his contract where if he gets traded to a team and legitimately hates it so much that he wants to give up the $150 million on the back end of his contract, he could. Yeah. Cause I mean, if he's a healthy baseball player, he's going to get that money back <clears throat> in another contract cause he's a giant. Uh, well, I don't know. It just seems like they're the long, he got a 12-year contract. That is not – other than Bryce Harper, I don't think that's going to ever happen. I don't think it's going to happen with Bryce Harper. I agree with but you. I don't uh, think it's other than happen. Bryce Harper, it won't happen. Right. I still don't even think it's going to happen with him. But it's the, the way that they're structuring these things is, is the player options. That's like the new fad. So I, I just don't think the owners are, are really – they're not seeing it as a value anymore. Yeah. Guys All right. So we also like – we also got a couple other mailbag questions that I want to save for next episode because we have so much content coming up with Sweeney and as well as the voicemails. I just want to remind people to rate and review the podcast in iTunes. It's very important for us this offseason as we go. We're going to be still be doing the weekly episodes. You guys came through in the clutch during the playoffs with all the ratings and reviews. What are we up to? Over 400 written reviews, almost 700 ratings. Yeah, bump us up over that 700. It what it does is it, it makes us more uh, available on iTunes. People see our podcast more and that can allow us to create more shows and, and get more guests on. So that is the number one way you can help Scott and I out. If you're a listener of this podcast. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a big help. And you know, we've been talking about the uh, reading the reviews on the show. That is another element that we're adding after this 200 is we have a segment that we have devised that we're going to be putting into the show and we're going to be reading, uh, you know, one or two of the reviews each week. So get them in make there. Make them funny and make they'll be funny, on the show. Be, be, you know, be a, be a smart ass, make fun of us, whatever you got. We like that, you know, take jabs at us. If you don't agree about something, hit, and hit now us in people, there. People can see what we look like when we're recording this podcast. So I expect to be criticized. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Make it a five-star review and say whatever you want. There we go. All right. Stay tuned for Sweeney and the voicemails. We'll talk to you guys next week. Can't turn around now. I know we're not far. And I can smell it. Deep down they're jealous. That'll never sell us what they used to tell us. Shout out to all the fake fans. To the dreamers that can make plans. Stick to them and then make grants. Joining us on the podcast now is Sweeney Murdy from WFAN. Sweeney, how's it going? 
Wonderful, guys. Thanks for having me. As you were just saying before we press record here, you wish there was a little bit more clarity to the Yankees manager position. Are you surprised that they're still interviewing candidates here into December? Yeah, I get why there were some breaks in the action because of some other things that needed to be done um, within you know the the baseball department. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm a little surprised that it's it's taken this long. Um, I would have thought when there was when the initial uh, move was made to get rid of Girardi that there was at least um, you know some working list that they were going from. But you know the, the longer this goes, it you know, it, it does make sense to me that, you know, that it it does make sense that there wasn't a, that the plan was to not have a plan, if you know <laughs> what I mean. Like, yep. it, you needed to, you know, it's been 10 years since the Yankees did this. Um, there are a lot of smart people all over the game, and it's good to get information from uh, all different kinds of sources. As they interview people, they're getting all these different people's opinions on on the Yankees. And maybe they're getting ideas of what these people brought to their previous teams. Um, maybe they are getting ideas of what these guys think of the current Yankees team and different things they can do. So it's kind of a free look at, uh, at information. And, uh, you know, there's no game being played tomorrow. There are no other teams trying to steal away a manager that the Yankees are, are looking at. So they've got time to play with. I mean, the rest of us probably want to get on their lives, but they've got uh, all the time in the world to play with right now. I think that's interesting, actually, that you said. I haven't heard many people say, uh, talk about that aspect of it. They may just be interviewing, you know, more and more people because there is that time just to get more information about the team and what their current roster looks like and maybe, you know, other ideas of what guys outside the organization currently would do with the current roster. I I think that's that's actually a very interesting, a different angle of, uh, of why they're doing this. And maybe it explains why they are also interviewing Eric Wedge. Uh, it's maybe thrown it in there. I, I think, uh, yeah, I think, well, there's, you know, there's different people have different connections uh, throughout the organization. And, um, you know, it's funny that Wedge is the only guy that has experience of the six they've interviewed to date right. that has, you know, legitimate major league managing experience. So that tells me that, you know, that it's not that big a factor for them. If they've interviewed five of the six guys that don't have any major league managing experience outside of a couple of games here, there for a guy like Rob Thompson, I don't think that that's a, that's really that big of a prerequisite, uh, which, which goes against what has happened in the past. But again, it's been 10 years since the Yankees did this and a lot has changed. They re up Joe Girardi twice, um, a three-year deal, three-year deal, and four-year deal. And a lot has changed. So it's a good time to reset and look to see what other people and other teams have to offer uh, in terms of evaluation. And it's not just about this manager that they're trying to hire. I mean, they still have a staff, a coaching staff to hire. You could be in the, uh, on the lookout for uh, a minor league manager you could also be doing this again in two years. Who knows? And why not give yourself a chance to look at as many people as you can? I kind of likened it before to, you hear a lot of times, I, I guarantee you at some point in the next month when there's a big trade made, people will say, well, we kind of started to talk about this at the GM meetings, or we started to talk about this about a month ago, and, and then it finally happened. Well, you know, it's not out of the 
uh, realm of possibility here that you know, the Yankees could hire somebody for something a year from now, two years from now, that they first, you know, they first made contact or interviewed this guy during this process. So um, I think it it's turned into something a little more complicated than just hiring one manager, which they still have to do. And you know, I hope uh, you know the rest of the thing. You know, thank goodness they didn't interrupt uh, Thanksgiving for us. Maybe we can get it done before uh, other events get uh, <laughs> interrupted along the way. <laughs> Now, I know it was a long time ago, but I also know that you've been around the team for a long time. But can you remember or, or just, you know, talking about talking to some of the people in the organization as well? You know, how is the process different now than when the last hire was, when, when Buck Showalter was they moved on from Buck Showalter and they went out and got what at, at that point was a rather unpopular choice of Joe Torrey. How was the whole process of choosing a manager and, and going through the candidates different um, today than it was back when Tory was hired. Well, yeah, and that was even, you know, that was two managers ago. You know, Girardi was hired 10 years ago during a process to replace Tory that really only had three candidates involved. All three of them had Yankee ties with Don Mattingly, Joe Girardi, and Tony Pena. Pena having been on the uh, coaching staff for one year under Tory and uh, was the guy with the most previous managerial experience mm-hmm. um, with his, uh, his parts of three seasons, maybe four seasons in, uh, in Kansas City. Um, and, you know, Girardi ended up being the guy that I think they were leaning all along. Don Manningly had not had any managerial experience. And if he had, maybe he would have been the guy that they leaned more towards, or maybe that would have counted more at the time. Um, as we just got done talking about, it doesn't seem like that's as big a prerequisite this time around. The Joe Torrey one, um, I'm trying to remember the process of that. I didn't cover it as as the beat reporter then, but I was working here in New York then. And if I remember Tory telling the story right, he was more interested in putting his name in for the general manager's position, <laughs> which Stick Michael had been um, moved, was moving on from that. And it's a job that eventually went to Bob Watson. And Tory had inquired about the GM's job. And when he got a call back, he, he had thought, I think, that it was about that. And they said, no, we, we would like to talk to you about being the manager. And um, it, it's, you know, again, and then that was a time when you were looking maybe at the experienced guys. I forget who else was in the running uh, at the time to replace Buck Showalter. But I do remember the funny story that has been relayed, I, um, you know, many times since then was that about a month after George Steinbrenner you know, started acting like George Steinbrenner and he got the itch to hire Buck Showalter back. And he, he showed up at Buck's house <laughs> to hire him back. And, uh, Buck said, but y- you already hired Joe Torrey and George said, don't worry, I'll find him something to do. Uh, <laughs> as we know, it, it, it worked out really well for the Yankees. Oh, I miss George Steinbrenner. Don't you? Not when I'm covering <laughs> like this. No. Yeah. Makes your um, job a lot harder. It's, um, you know, it, it's a lot different. And I think that Hal Steinbrenner has some of the same qualities, but a little bit more. He's George Light because he doesn't have the same impetuous nature. And I've heard, you know, I've heard the arguments from the fans who, who wish he acted more like his father. I, I don't even remember what his father acted like. Um, I don't think they were aware of how, you know, circus like it was and how 
his hiring and firing everybody all the time wasn't the right move. Right. Uh, it wasn't the right way to run things. And the stability that came with Joe Torrey winning championships early on uh, in his tenure, well, that's what really built the organization for a long time to follow. Um, and and that's you know kind of what you – the Derek Jeter era, so to speak, was built on winning championships early on. If that didn't happen, you know, you'd – George probably would have traded Jeter somewhere for something. Um, so I, I think the impetuous nature of him, um, it's probably a good thing that Hal doesn't have that more of a business sense. But, you know, it, I think the thing to keep in mind is the one thing that Hal does have is the last name Steinbrenner and that he still knows the value and the importance of the Yankees and being the Yankees and having the Yankees in his family even if he doesn't act the same way his father did, which might appease a certain segment of the fan base. I want to go back and talk about the experience level of these guys or really lack thereof. And like you said, only Eric Wedge has had uh, major league managerial, ex- managerial experience. And then Beltron and Boone, I mean, Beltron just retired last week and Boone's been in an ESPN booth for years. Why do you think Cashman's going with this strategy? Do you think that uh, maybe he just doesn't view having experience as that important anymore. You can build a coaching staff around these guys with experience, or maybe it's just a trend in baseball and someone who can relate to players more, let the front office handle that stuff is the way to go. I think it's viewed much more as a collaborative effort and you can build that through the coaching staff and a trust of the front office um, it's not the manager out on an island anymore where you hire him and it's his show to run how he sees fit. So I, I think that's where you look for the guy. And it's funny, like I've heard the buzzword communication because that's what was kind of levied against um, Joe Girardi after he was let go. And every candidate who's come in has talked about, you know, how they plan to be a communicator, what they, they, their strength is communication. I chuckled at it and I had asked somebody who was involved in a managerial search for another team uh, recently. And they said, it's not just that it's, you know, they, they interviewed, you know, over half a dozen guys themselves. And every single one of those guys talked about they're, they're a good communicator. They want to be a good communicator. It's, it just seems to be the right thing to say when you're trying to talk about managing a big league baseball team um, and probably in general and job searches in general. Um, but how you do it and how you build the circle around you is probably the best way of illustrating how good a communicator you are. I think that's probably what's going along. With, but you, know, you, you have the ability to designate a little bit. If you're a guy who hasn't had a lot of experience and you have an experienced pitching coach, Larry Rothschild, you can let him tell you when to take the pitcher out and make the pitching change. It's not unprecedented to have pitching coaches do that, uh, even for veteran managers. So um, I think that is one area where you could alleviate some of your concern about managerial experience because, you know, uh, I had, I had one big league manager tell me once, you know, they're, they're, thousands of people in the seats every night who know when to bunt or you know, probably when to take the pitcher out too. It's just that the uh, dealing with people, managing the people and communicating with the people, that's what the job is essential. Uh, that's the essential part of the job. So uh, uh, if you can find the right guy to do that, then the other things 
as long, you know, as long as somebody who's had some experience in baseball and you've heard these guys, I mean, guys like Boone and Beltran specifically, Boone talked about, you know, he's, he's a third generation ball player. You know, his, his family is, is uh, talked about baseball around the dinner table their entire lives. Um, Carlos Beltran has, uh, has been a guy who talks to his teammates constantly, a little different, as he noted, a little different when you're, you're the boss and not, uh, and not the guy's buddy in the locker next to him. But there is a level of that communication that these guys have gone through constantly. The idea of running the game and doing it in, in, you know, at game speed, which these guys haven't had the experience of, if you surround yourself with the right people, that's something that you can probably grow into, uh, given that you have a certain acumen. And most of these guys, all of these guys do. I mean, you know, Chris Woodward, uh, and uh, Hensley Newlands, uh, Rob Thompson, these guys all know what they're doing. And by the way, Rob Thompson is the kind of guy who George Steinbrenner would have hired immediately. He's mm-hmm. like Buck Walter from 25 years ago, a guy who was in the organization, was on the coaching staff. And if being a Yankee was all it meant, which it seemed to at the time for George many times uh, before he hired Joe Torre, well, then this job would have been given to Rob Thompson a long time ago, who is would be a fine candidate and would be a fine manager uh, choice for uh, for this team. But all the other factors that they're thinking about, how they build a staff, not just a manager, I don't know how 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 strongly they're looking at any of these guys right now because they've done a pretty good job of keeping them to themselves. It's so funny how Otani has, has so many – uh, has so much play in all the different situations for a lot of teams, but especially the Yankees when we're talking about the back end of the rotation and then potentially the DH, the DH spot as well. Obviously, Holiday coming, uh, you know, had a one-year deal. They're not going to look. They're not looking to bring him back. How do you see them approaching the DH spot? Is this going to be a, a committee DH spot with, uh, you know, potentially Headley and and taking some, um, some some games off for Bird, putting him in Sanchez and Judge, kind of a rotation, or do you see them going out and potentially hiring someone? That's a you know a, a bat under ten million, something a veteran guy that can come in there and uh, and put together good at bats. I, I think there are a lot of opportunities open to them, depending on the way this roster looks. Um, I, I think they have to determine if they are going to you know they have players that they can and might trade. I think in you know Jacoby Ellsbury, um, Starlin Castro. You know, Headley, I don't think is going anywhere. I think he is your safer third base option. Um, and as Glaber Torres works his way back and into the rotation, you wait to see him kind of get healthy and get some more at bats and, and work his way uh, towards the big league roster. Um, but I thought for a couple of years now that Starlin Castro is a guy who the Yankees could trade with a fairly high value still. Uh, Ellsbury is the guy who um, is he was part of that mix with the extra outfielder last year, but I think you saw the way the playoffs went that um, you know I think they're very comfortable having Aaron Hicks out there as an everyday center fielder, and if there's any way to alleviate some of that money, um, then I, I think uh, that's a move you look to make. And a lot, and if they can't move any of these guys, then that kind of locks you into. DH stuff here. I mean, you bring if you can bring in Otani, and you still have Ellsbury here. Um, there's um, you know 
there are enough ways to get those at bats in. Um, doesn't mean they won't kick the tires on other guys. I still think in the American League that the best DHs are the guys who are DH. I know that plays against the flexibility that every team wants to have now on the roster. Um, but if you look at the guys who are consistently voted the best DHs in the league, all they do is DH. You know, they're they're the guy. You know, you get your you know you get your Victor Martinez, Edgar Martinez, David Ortiz, guys like that, uh, Kendris Morales. Um, these are the types of who just won the award. Um, uh, it was just handed out. Was it? Uh, yeah, I'm not uh, sure. To be uh, honest, Nelson, I didn't even Nelson know there Cruz, was a best DH Nelson award. Cruz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it's actually named after Edgar Martinez. Um, that makes those sense. are the guys who who are the best ones every year. You know, when um, when Alex Rodriguez was just the DH, that was that was the Yankees' best DH in recent years. Um, and Holiday was good so until he got injured last year. Exactly right, and they didn't let him. You know, he was just the DH. So uh, I think you'd love to have if you knew you could get that kind of production out of somebody. Um, for for an entire season, uh, no problems having just a DH. But I think with roster flexibility being what it is these days, I think teams are more apt to kind of move it around a little bit and see what they can do. And again, depending on what kind of moves they can can make with this current roster, you know those those spots might already be filled. Okay, final question before we let you get out of here. The other juicy rumor storyline in Major League Baseball, other than Otani this offseason, is Giancarlo Stanton. Um, Heyman wrote something today theorizing that maybe the only way the Yankees could get this done is if they package Ellsbury with a bunch of prospects to Miami. Um, Do you see any chances of the Yankees being in on Stanton? I, I know that they have asked and have checked in because it would be foolish not to, but I don't see it as being something that they can do right now. Uh, yeah. Getting rid of Ellsbury's contract is, is, is a big thing here, but it goes against everything that the Marlins are trying to do with, uh, with getting rid of Stanton's contract. So um, I, I would find it very hard to believe that that's something they can do. Um, the Yankees are, you know, the reason Otani makes so much sense to them now is because he's, you know, he, he doesn't have a, a large number attached to him. And the reason trying to trade Jacoby Ellsbury is even if you have to pay a significant portion of that, you can still knock down some of the tax that you're taking on that contract. Taking on another $30 million a year contract doesn't do anything for the Yankees as, as they're looking to, uh, to make sure they stay under the tax threshold. Um, I, don't think it's a it's a great you know you you, you it would solve like the, the DH thing we're talking about you know you'd have between him and Judge and uh, you know, Gardner and Sanchez and or not Sanchez uh, Hicks uh, you've got a lot of guys here who could fill out that outfield spot and have one left over um, to be the DH but I'm I'm not sure that all of that lines up just right for this team so. Um, I would still be surprised if it, if it ended up that way. All right, Sweeney, well, thank you for coming back on. We appreciate it. Obviously, the Yankees announced the news, or the Yankees haven't announced it, but the news was out there um, that Aaron Boone is going to be the next manager of the New York Yankees. So what were your initial thoughts? 
Well, a um, little bit of a surprise the way the process played out. I don't know if anybody actually heard our first episode that we did together, just dissecting all the different possibilities here with the guys that have been interviewed. But uh, when the dust settled, five of the six guys interviewed had no managerial experience at the big league level. And two of them, Boone and Beltran, had no coaching experience whatsoever. Um, so I, I think that you know, given the candidates that were out there, I think the Yankees tipped their hand as to how important they actually consider previous managerial experience. Um, Boone just, uh, you know, from, from everything we can gather is that he, his personality wins everybody over and he's very prepared. Um, it's not just about being, you know, uh, likable, um, but being prepared and intelligent about the game. Um, I, I keep thinking back to, uh, something, uh, one of the, uh, his former teammates told me several of his former teammates just told me that when he was not playing in the game, um, he would be broadcasting the game. He'd be mock broadcasting the game and his teammates kind of egg him on to do it. He'd do some impersonations. He'd throw some funny things in there as he's announcing the game in the dugout in front of his teammates and cracking them up. But uh, Danny Graves, uh, one of the relievers in the Reds, who was uh, good friends with Boone said, one of the things he can remember is not just, how he entertained them by broadcasting the game, but he was kind of thinking ahead, like he would have an actual broadcast and managing along. And, you know, to, to, uh, Graves recollection, he was all, he was more times than not, he was right about what was going to happen, how things were going to play out. So, um, I guess he's prepared himself for two different careers in the, uh, doing the exact same thing. And since he's uh, spent so much time as a broadcaster and now stepping out of the booth uh, to be the manager, we'll see, uh, how successful it is the uh, the you know in in baseball more times than not if the horse is not the jockeys and uh, uh, you know Joe Torre is a good example of that uh, as good a manager as he would have thought he uh, he was considered earlier in his career had not a lot of uh, uh, winning to show for it and then uh, you know things turned around for him in New York when obviously he had uh, uh, some more thoroughbreds to deal with than earlier in his career yeah and I think it's a it's an interesting point to bring up Torre because I think. In the in the sense of the the players, obviously they're both inherited good teams. I think Tory at that point had some had some guys that he had to manage as far as you know throughout that whole throughout his tenure managing the personalities and such. And Boone's really coming into this in the very beginning. And obviously some of these guys have extreme fanfare, but they're all young, impersonable guys that you know, like you said, you know his his personality seems like it would be a very good fit. And and a lot of what the manager does in today's game really is is. You know, getting those relationships, making putting the players in the best positions to win, establishing those relationships so there is that trust, so that everybody has a, a nice continuity in the the dugout. And it seems like Boone would be a good fit for exactly that. I think I think a lot of these players, you know, they all they all know who he is. I and mean, some of the older players probably know, uh, you know, what he did playing with the Yankees, and you know, actually he played with CC Sabathia in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, and the younger players know him as the guy who does Sunday Night Baseball on, right. on ESPN. So he's he's not uh, uh, someone foreign to them. He's not someone who maybe, uh, you know, no disrespect to Chris Woodward, but there's probably some players in the organization or players in the team who might not have known who he was, uh, even though the rest of us, you know, uh, if you've been around baseball, you know who he is. Maybe there are some of the younger players who, who would not have known who he was or what his resume was. And um, it really, this is going to be about uh, the the collaborative effort, um, being the guy who um, can can understand what the front office is trying to do and make the players understand it and get the players to execute, play hard, 
And uh, listen, the talent is there, and maybe that's enough to make Aaron Boone look good as a manager. But uh, his his personality is going to go a long way in kind of shaping how the public perceives this. And uh, we'll obviously find out more as the weeks and months go on here. Talking about collaborative efforts, do you have any opinion or any insight about, you know, if Boone has close relationships with other people in baseball that he could be adding to the coaching staff? Because it seems like the the next question is, who are the experienced guys that are going to be surrounding him on that coaching staff? There's a lot of uncertainty with who who's going to be back in the dugout for the Yankees. And, you know, I don't know how much Aaron Boone's going to have, uh, you know, how much of his input is going to be on the coaching staff or if that's just going to be coming down. We've, we've heard that Rothschild should be back. So what is your opinion on how that coaching staff is going to form? When Joe Girardi was hired, he got he brought two coaches with him. The rest of the staff was handed to him. Um, I have a feeling that uh, Boone will will have a lot of say in who his bench coach is. Um, the pitching coach will be Larry Rothschild. He's going to lean on both of those guys uh, to help him through the things that he's never had to deal with, uh, which is actually managing a game, you know, running a pitching staff. So I think that those two guys will be very important. Again, one. One uh, is handed to him, and the other, uh, I'm sure, will have at least a say in uh, in, in who gets that spot. Um, the rest of the staff, I think, again, just collaborative effort to uh, to try and get the best people around them. But you know, the, it's not often that the bench coach is is considered a vital hire. Who you're certainly curious to see who it is. I, I think in this case, it is just because you want to see, um, you know, who he's going to trust to teach him some of the things that he doesn't already know. Should there be certain things that we're looking for when, when the season starts and we're, when we're in spring training and we're seeing him you know, manage his first game, whether it's a, a spring training or a regular season game, what, what are you going to be looking for when you're seeing a guy that doesn't have any experience? Spring training probably won't tell you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking for bullpen management, I mean, that's, that's basically, you're not trying to win games there. You're not making decisions in order to win games. You're getting just got you're getting guys their work in. That's not really bullpen management. So the spring training games aren't going to tell you much. Um, I I keep saying this is that I don't think you're going to find out anything until you you go through a four game losing streak, you know, or a five game losing streak, or or you get swept by the Red Sox, or or something happens like that. See how he reacts. See how the team reacts. Um, see what kind of uh, public and, and, and media challenges there are uh, and how, how big that grows and, and really just if it, you know, what, it, what it becomes to him uh, and to the team. It's, you know, everything is easy when you're winning and there's going to be a day when the Yankees have a press conference. It's going to be the greatest day of Aaron Boone's life. He's going to be named uh, manager of the New York Yankees. Uh, he's going to get a pretty large paycheck to do it. And, there isn't anything bad to say about him except that he's never managed before. And that's not really anything bad to say. It's just, it's pointing out something that's obvious here. What's going to become a question is, is how do you get your team out of a losing streak? And I think that's what every manager's challenge is, is to get the ship righted, to get people moving in the right direction again. Um, and that has to be a combination of, you know, the players in the room, you know, carrying their load and the manager setting the right tone and pushing the right buttons. You know, there are a lot of times you know, last year, Joe Girardi in the middle of the season, at a, at, it was at a six or a seven game losing streak when the team was out West. It was in June. And 
there there were a few things that were out of his control there. He kept, you know, calling on bullpen options, but as the games went later on, he he had fewer options, and the guys who were losing the games were, you know, guys who um, had to keep getting shuttled in and out of the uh, the minors, and you know, in an ideal situation, weren't going to be put in that position to win or lose that game, and then ended up kind of snowballing in a six-game uh, losing streak, and you know, that's the kind of thing that Aaron Boone has to adjust to. He's going to have to adjust to losing not just not just a game. He's got he's going to have to bounce back at some point from losing a, a two-run lead in the ninth. But he's also going to have to dig his team out of a losing streak and make them believe that that it's going to be okay. Make everybody else believe that it's going to be okay, and then and then make it be okay. And I think that's the biggest challenge for any manager, and it's certainly going to tell us a lot about uh, uh, who Aaron Boone is and and how his Yankee tenure begins. So, Winnie, thanks again for jumping back on. We do appreciate it, and uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to watch how everything unfolds with uh, with the new manager, Aaron Boone. All right, thanks for having me. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. I want to congratulate Aaron Judge on the home run contest. Way to go, Aaron. But hey, that was too close. Next year when you go, let's blow him out of the water. All you got to do is bring Tyler Clifford with you to pitch. He'll hit it out of the park every time. The Clifford sucks. Hey, just a thought. Why didn't the Kansas Judge have Clifford pitch to him for the home run derby? Probably double their numbers. Ellis Brady, please be released. Get out of here, you're trash. Nobody wants to hear in New York. Get the fuck out of here. Good point if Catherine wants to impregnate my wife, I'd be like, you know what? Let's pray the right call. Let's do it. Sunny motherfucking gray. <laughs> By just listening to the Friday game, uh, got me drinking more than usual for a Friday. Okay, so it's another typical Yankee day. Yankees down showing the same signs that they've showed for the last five or six weeks in which I've been totally an asshole. An asshole to my wife, an asshole to my kids, an asshole to my dogs, because I basically take my cue from my team, the Yankees. Well, you know what, boys? It's time to wake the fuck up. I got a go to question for the host. How many beers would it take to bang Susan Walker? I think it would be I'd at least get a six pack of all points, but uh Please shit Robertson just hit another guy. This game is out of control. We're gonna lose so many players. This is not good for the playoffs, but I fucking love it. And fuck Mickey and his pussy ass punch. Fuck anyone who comes from the city of Detroit. Gosh, what a game. That's what I think is Robertson flying out of the boat and like the flash. Oh my gosh. I wonder what his 40 time would be. Fuck the um, fuck the Tigers. Let's take care of business at home. Go Yank, baby. All I gotta say is that the Detroit Tigers are fucking pussies, man. So is Miguel Cabrera. Fuck that guy. Still can't land a hit. Started waking up a, a sleeping giant. Talk about waking up a sleeping giant. Here we go, postseason. Bring that shit on. Old school Yankee baseball. Bring it on.
boys. Let me tell you how fucking proud I am of my Yanks. They get out there and also in real mind, gets in a fist fight for that bitch ass player from the Tigers. And I tell you, the Yankees cover their ass and cover each other. That's a true brotherhood. I'm fucking proud of them. I will say I'm both scared about suspensions, but it was amazing to look at. Keep it going, Yanks. Here we go. Fuck the suspension. We're gonna make it to the playoffs. All I have to say about the fight is, Niggy had about four inches on Romine and he didn't back down. At a boy, Romine. Hey, how you doing, this? Uh, it's Tony from Soundview. First time, long time. Hey, these, these Yankees, these Yankees, they look so good right now. I see them on the bench, they're doing interviews, they're having fun, they're, they're, they're frolicking like young gazelles. I, I love where this is going. The youngsters are down, the older guys are down, the guys in the middle are down. They're going up and they're going at it. I see a World Series this year, it's special. I feel it, it feels like 2009. I can feel it coming. You guys, you take care, Bronx Pinstripes, stay strong. Again, a Tony from South. Yo, what's up? This is Drew from Arizona, and all you gotta say is I fucking love this goddamn team. I mean, everything about it. I mean, Sevy kind of sucked in the beginning, but after that, it was fucking electric. I mean, homers, Sanchez getting hit in the dick, everything is fucking great. I can't fucking wait for Cleveland. God, World Series, here we come, baby. Two-run homer off Kluber. Let's go. Greg from Florida says, let's do this. We're going back to the Yankee Stadium. 1-1. One, one. Aaron, fuck in your pants, baby! Let's go! Joe Girardi is a fucking idiot. I cannot believe he didn't review that play. Instead of being out of the inning, now they are just 8-7 because the fucker wouldn't review the play. Listen to your teammate. How many times have we seen during the year where Joe Girardi could have reviewed it without losing anything, yet he doesn't? Oh my fucking God, we lose this game. What's up, guys? In the words of Jerry Seinfeld, I am speechless. I am without speech. Hey, Pinstripers, this is Eric from Syracuse. What a brutal fucking game that was. You saw eight runs of these off, and apparently the offense did too, so they just went to sleep after the sixth inning, but it should have been enough, but uh, you gotta take it account the Girardi factor. Let's see, let's just run down the moron checklist here. After CC is dealing, he takes him out too early. Then he doesn't challenge the uh, pretty obvious not hit batsman call. And I don't know what the fuck the miscommunication they're talking about was. Just just challenge the damn thing. You have nothing to lose. And then in the eighth inning, you bring out Robertson throws like a hundred, throwing like a hundred pitches the last three days instead of a more aggressive defender who I guess didn't pitch good enough last night to take to meet your expectations, you motherfucker. And then let's see what else. Uh, I think that's all I can help with now. But Joe overmanaged once, us, us, once to a loss once again. Fuck you, Joe. Cashman doesn't fire from the offseason. I don't know what to say. See ya. Joe, 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 Joe. Uh... So it's fun to have him the day after the disaster. And I have a minute to call the call and just say, Fuck you, Joe! You fucking moron! Challenge a play at the end of the inning! What the fuck? 
Fucking four runs in two games. You gotta win one of those motherfucking games. What up, guys? Carlos, did you read CC's lips off this last pitch he just threw? He was like, "The fuck out of here, buddy." I couldn't, I, I couldn't read anything after that. But yo, CC is a wild boy. Morning, boys. Danny from England. What a game! What a game! What other ones on the? Uh, the crew in the in the bleachers, the boys in the stands, fantastic stuff. You, you uh, New Yorkers know how to make a row. Aaron Judge, what a glove, what a bat. Todd Frazier, the Todd father, superb. Cece, rolling back the years, a legend. Can't wait for game four. The Yankees are coming. Let's go, Yankees. Houston, you have a problem. Your bullpen is trash, bud. <laughs> Let's go Yankees! Fucking do this. Hey, Terrence from California here. We beat up on Kluber. We beat up on Tycho. Now with one more game, we're looking to beat up Kershaw. Beat up the 3Ks. Beat up the KKK one game at a time. Fuck the KKK. Fuck Boston. How's that 19 pole Boston fan? Hey, what's up? It's Joe from Florida. Hey, Justin Verlander, you fucking wannabe Ben Affleck motherfucker. I hope the first pitch of game six, you take a line drive right to the nuts. Let's go Yankees, number 28. Hey, Sam from England. I'm not a bad loser, but Jose Altuve, you fucking little munchkin. All you do is run, run, run. You're a great player, but all you do is fucking grizzle and whine like a little squinny kid. No good, man, no good. Dirty Rocky, get beat by the Dodgers. What a wanker. Sorry for the swear words, but there you go. You'll use them anyway. 
we all had on. Anyway, and another thing, and another thing. Joe's got to stay, because he's got like, you don't want to get someone else and you've got to have chemistry. He knows how to uh, react to these boys. He makes his mistakes, but he's got to stay. Aaron Judge, hero, one of, one of the legends, going to be great. Gabby Sanchez, learn to catch the fucking ball when it comes to the plate and you'll be fine. Great hitter though. Greg Bird, legend, you're going to only boost things, pump the things up next year. Next year's going to be our year. We're going to win it all next year. The future's bright. Not a great way to end the season, but hey, that's the way to go. We're going to be, we're going to be brilliant. We're going to be brilliant. We're going to have our holidays in the sun, like the Sex Pistols. It's going to be our year next year. Thanks for a great show, boys, for, for the season. Sitting cues off into Kendry, off season. That's me out still, Mark. Over and out. Love you all. Peace, man. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.